morning, church. Let's stand together as we welcome you today. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Glory like a fire, awakening desire. Burn our hearts with the truth.
Turn it. 
We're so glad you're here today, and especially uh, those of you who are here in person, those of you online, we're glad uh, that you're here worshiping with us today. It struck me this week how many amazing moments in the New Testament, the life of Jesus, happened as part of a meal. This, this morning I finished uh, reading through the Gospel of John, and just this whole month I've been reading a chapter a day, and today's the 21st, and so it's the, the last day or the last chapter. You get right to the end of that chapter, that Gospel. Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's been here for a while. And there's this moment where the guys are out fishing. They've had another long night fishing. And as they get closer to the shore with an amazing catch that happened at the end, they notice Jesus is there. Jesus is there waiting for them, and Peter sees him, and I always get tickled when I read that. It says that when he realized that Jesus was on shore, he threw on his cloak and dived into the water. Usually I would take off stuff to dive into the water, but Peter put on his outer coat and dove into the water and swam to the shore, and Jesus was there, and he had breakfast fixed. They sat down there and they began to talk and they began to listen to Jesus teaching and reminding them of what had happened and what was going to happen. And then there's this telling moment in the middle of the meal when Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? You know that I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. We just sang in that song, I give you everything. Do we? Peter was struggling with that. Jesus knew it. And so he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. The third time Jesus had to ask the question, Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Well, then feed my sheep. I don't know how God's calling you to feed sheep today. But I know this time of the service is a time when as we take of communion, and we can just say, God, what is it that you would want me to do? And we can listen to him speak to us during this sacred meal. It's also a time when as part of when we come to get our emblems, if we haven't already done so, we can give. Because as we give, that's that's actually a portion of feeding sheep. It's allowing the ministry to spread. And so I want to pray and give you the opportunity to come and, and get those emblems. And I want you to hear the voice of the Lord saying, do you love me? If your answer is yes, then hear his encouragement to feed his sheep. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the chance to worship. God, we thank you that before, before Jesus left earth to go back to heaven to wait for his return, that he gave us this meal. He gave us this weekly reminder 
how much you love us and a challenge for us to give love back in return. And to do that by caring for those that you care for, by feeding your sheep. And so, God, right now, I pray that you'll bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
pray together. But God, we thank you for church. We thank you for a place where we can gather to hear about you, to worship you, to seek you. God, I pray that this morning as we talk about marriage, talk about life, talk about your scriptures, that you'd speak into our hearts those places where we need to change. God, those places where We need to improve and repent to turn back to you. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Speak to us now with your wisdom. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. 
Hey, how is everybody? Good? You guys are quiet. You got to wake up a little bit. How is everybody? That's better. I'm Kevin Comp. I'm the Life Group and Discipleship Minister here at the church. Welcome everybody online. I don't know which camera we're on. But anyway, we're glad that you're here. I, I, uh, I can't believe I drew the straw to talk today about for better or for worse. What's funny about that is, and I've done a lot of weddings, I've married a lot of couples, and I know that every time I'm reading those vows with the couples, they're always thinking for better, right? I mean, they're always thinking, I'm so excited, we're going to go on our honeymoon, it's going to be awesome, maybe not this year, but next year. Uh, They're excited for what is to come that is going to be better, but they never think about the for worse, And anybody who's been married long enough knows that there's always things that come around that end up being categorized as for worse. There are difficult days ahead in a marriage. There are things that will happen that you will go through that you have to endure. And that vow is that we would make our marriage whole and positive and loving for better and for worse. Even in those difficult times. Now, if you currently don't feel like you fit into this sermon series on marriage crashers, you just don't feel like it's for you because uh, maybe you're a teenager or you're single or you're single and ready to mingle, huh? Yeah, they, they told me to put... If you're a young adult, <laughs> if you're married so long that it feels like it's too late... Or maybe more difficult, you're widowed. I would ask you to do these three things. First of all, learn this for later. Learn this for someone else that maybe you can share with. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody who comes to you that God sends to you so that you can help them with this idea of marriage and conflict. I would ask that if you don't feel like this sermon series really hits you where it needs to hit you, that you would pray for the couples in this church, especially the young couples and the church families that are struggling and need your prayers. And I would ask that you would learn about this for future relationships and or also relationships outside of marriage with co-workers somebody you're dating, a family relationship, or even church relationships. So I want everybody to be able to identify and and think about this message today as we talk about marriage and conflict. Alan King uh, was a famous comedian. Some of you might remember him from long ago. He said, marriage is nature's way of keeping us from fighting with strangers. I thought that was pretty good. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up on a horse farm, Uh, We had horses, and I was on horses from the time I was five years old and grew up training horses and breaking horses. And we had quarter horses and Appaloosas and some thoroughbreds, a couple of Arabians. Uh, We we grew up on a horse farm, and I would uh, ride every day uh, for hours, and we would train horses. And and when we needed to break a horse, and this is in the mid-'80s, We did like 20 to 30 minutes of groundwork, like where we're on the ground and we put a saddle on them and we lunge them around the circle. But it wasn't too long before you just kind of hopped on 
and hope for the best. Now, just like 10 years later, I'm 25, and I've the horse whisperer movement has come around where you do all this groundwork with them, and it's an invite and challenge, and you're petting the horse, and you're whispering sweet nothings into their ear, and you do a lot of groundwork, two, three days of groundwork before you ever get on them. And the truth is, it was a better way. It just was. Uh, the horse whisperer way was a better way because I got thrown off all the time in that round pen training those horses. But I broke five horses because I needed money when I was 25, 26 years old. I broke five horses in 30 days, and I only got thrown off by one of them several times, and she was just mean. Um, but when, when you were in the, in the 80s, if you got a new dog... And that dog messed in your house. What did you do? You rubbed their nose in it and hit them with the newspaper. Now, if you're 20 or 30 something, you think that sounds appalling. And thanks to the hippies, uh, we now have a different way of training our dogs. Every time I'm in Walmart and I see the box of pee pads, I laugh to myself. I'm like, seriously, people buy these. I got to get a... How many of you have pee pads in your house for dogs? Don't raise your hand. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Things have changed, though, right, in how we teach and discipline our dogs. When I was a kid, I got beatings, beatings at home, beatings at school, and then beatings back at home. If I got beat at school, I got another beating. Right? That's how it worked. When I was in eighth grade and bust down to inner city Louisville, I got paddled 39 days in a row. Some of that was on purpose. I know that surprises you all, the gentle angel-like person I am. Paddles, belts, coat hangers, yardsticks, you name it, I got hit by one. And today we have adjusted in our child rearing to less hitting and more time out. Possibly a better way. I have three children. I've done both. I've, I've spanked and I've taken things away and I've done the time out. But we take away now. It's really changed. In 2021, we're taking away social media. You know what your punishment is? No posting on that snap thingy, right? We take away an app. Well, you just lost Instagram, buddy. Internet usage, video games, TV time. It's a new wave of discipline. Right? I'm not sure how I feel about those changes. So when I approach the subject of conflict in marriage, some of you have been doing conflict, let's just call it what it is, fighting the same way for years. Years. I mean, and truthfully, as I was studying this, I got conviction about the way my wife and I fight. Have you ever seen Rocky? Not the second half of Rocky, but the first half where he's just getting beaten to a pummel. Every, every Rocky is this way. Like he just keeps coming in and he keeps getting his face is all mangled and swollen. And that's me in a fight at home. Just the first half. There's never a moment where I say we did it, Adrian. Okay? It doesn't happen. Couples have been fighting forever. And we fight because we're different. 
In fact, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been in a fight, but I know that everyone who's married has been in a fight before. Some of you on the way here this morning. And it probably started with, well, you didn't do a very good job clearing the snow off the car or something like that. So as I began to prepare this message and for the idea of marriage and conflict, I realized that I have been doing this wrong. I have been actually trying to avoid fighting because fighting is bad. I've been actually trying to um, change like the opinion of the person I'm fighting and get my way, right? This is what we do in a fight. We try to prove that we're right and they're wrong. I've been doing this all wrong and there might be a better way. And so I watched this video called The Good Fight by Lesson Leslie Parrott. And basically what it teaches is that everybody's going to fight. I mean, I can point at a couple in this room and realize that as Christ-following Christians uh, that some of you have gotten in fights that don't really honor God, right? I mean, I have. I mean, just in the past month, I have, right? Uh, but, but what Les and Leslie Parrott are teaching is that how we fight, not whether we fight, because we're actually we're going to fight, matters. In fact, the University of Utah did a study and determined that 93% of couples who fight dirty will be divorced within 10 years. 93%. This is alarming and hard to believe since Stacy and I have been married for 20 years. So we're technically in the top 7% because there have been times in our marriage where we fight dirty. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I'm usually right and she's wrong. So I'm watching this uh, series called The Good Fight, and it's available for you for free on Right Now Media. Just go to our website, go to the adult tab, underneath the adult tab, click the Right Now Media, follow the instructions. You get it for free. You don't have to put your credit card number in, nothing like that. We're paying for it as a church. There's a series on there called The Good Fight. You need to watch this. I'm watching this uh, video, and I'm like, oh, i got to talk to Stacy about this. Uh, they talk about a second independent study of the one I just told you about, Dirty Fighting. A second independent study set where a doctor discovered that he could predict with 94% accuracy of whether a couple and their marriage would survive based on how they fight. Not if they fight. Because we all fight. Because we're men, we're women, we're different, right? Not how often they fight or even over what they fight about. How they fight is what determined whether their marriage would survive or not. And I watched this and I realized, oh no. Because you know the rules, like you've been in sermons like this before where the pastor will give you four or five rules to maintain when you're in a dispute with your wife. Don't go to bed angry. Have you gotten that one? Come on. I've had fights that have lasted for days. (laughs) Awkward moments in the kitchen fixing breakfast. We've all had those. Let's be real. But the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. But the reality is we've been in fights, right, where all those things are out the window, right? And we just get into it. And my wife and I are both strong-willed people. 
We're stubborn people. We're argumentative. We're both, if you did a personality test, we're both lions. We're both sharks. Uh, We go at it. And it can get ugly. And I'm watching this marriage series and I'm like, wow, it's not whether we're going to fight or not because we are. And it's not how often, it's, it's not about me avoiding fighting. It's me learning how to fight in a way that develops intimacy and not build up walls, right? That's what it's all about. In fact, in this video series, they had uh, this thing that they called the four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse. Okay, the four horsemen, if you don't know, are familiar with that. That's from Revelation. That's the end of destruction of the world, the apocalypse. Well, this is like the destruction of marriage. And these are signs of your conflict styles that could be hurting your marriage and relationships and could actually destroy it. The first one, and I think I have a slide for this. um, The first one is criticism. If your fights typically start with somebody criticizing their partner, And then it gets heated. And these are statements like, you always do this. And you never do that. Now, studies also show that, and I know there's some elbows flying here, women tend to criticize more than men. Did you know that? You knew that already, right? (laughs) Women tend to be more critical. And men tend to stonewall more. We'll get to that in just a second. But this is a bad sign when you're arguments or discussions or conflicts start out with a you never or a you statement. Uh, You always spend money on these things. You always do this wrong. Uh, For me, it's you always lose your receipts, right? Now, complaining can actually be helpful in a marriage. It's a permission to be real, but criticism is one of the horsemen. Defensiveness. This, this 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 one was a little personal for me because I feel like I'm a very defensive person. Anybody else feel like that? My wife criticizes me, or for that matter, anybody else, and I struggle with that. I don't like to be told that I am something uh, argumentative or a jerk or. Any other terrible words my wife uses. Anyway, uh, defensiveness is a bad thing. It's one of the horsemen, and it always escalates a conflict. You know what I'm saying? If your wife or husband comes to you and complains about something or criticizes something, and your first response is to get defensive and say, well, you da-da-da-da-da-da-da, that is a problem. This is not the best way to fight. The third one is contempt. And this is a little darker. Contempt is where you kind of um, hold some stuff in. It's almost stonewalling, but in your mind, there are things that you're thinking about your partner, your spouse, the one you said for better, for worse, that are escalating, lethal. And you make statements, verbal or nonverbal, that make the other person feel really small. Now, I got quiet in here, and I'm wondering, have you struggled with some of this? And I can honestly say from this stage, I have. 
I have never, until I got prepared for this sermon, looked at fights as being potentially good. Well, sure, there's makeup and all that. That's great. Yeah, it's great to make up from a fight, but I never look at going into the fight and saying, this will improve my relationship. In fact, I've always tended to want to avoid the fight, the conflict. In fact, this fourth one, this fourth horseman, stonewalling is my go-to move. I am the king of saying, I'm done, and walking away. Which is hurtful to the relationship and the spouse. But I can only take so much. I tend to go with a holier-than-thou route as a pastor, which is always edifying to your spouse. I put my hand up, and I go, I'm done with this, and I leave, or I go to the basement, or I just walk away. Leaving her holding those feelings that she hasn't dealt with, whatever it is. So what do you fight about? Money? Romantic activity? It's the best I could do to clean that up for children. Poor communication, schedules, child rearing, house projects. Let's go back to the original one, money. Everybody in this room that has a marriage knows what it means to be in fight. And some of you are good fighters. Maybe you're hearing all this and go, boy, you're terrible. You shouldn't be preaching. And I get that. <laughs> I, I agree. But how do we respond? And what does God want us to do when it comes to our relationships and how we handle one another for better, for worse? Proverbs 13.10 says this. Where there is strife, that's fighting, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. I think um, pride is the main motivator for me when my wife and I go into one of those battles. And pride keeps me going in just like Rocky, and I just keep getting punched over and over and over because I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm prideful, and I'm defensive, and I get to a point where I finally go, that's it, I'm done, and I stonewall. But pride is the source of some of that. And I had to really dig this out over the past, actually, the past few years, I've, we've gotten much better on our fighting because of thinking about this issue right here, pride. Because my immediate reaction to a criticism or complaint from my wife is defensiveness. Fellas, most of you know what I'm talking about. Listen to what Lesson Leslie Parrott said. Arguments where one partner or the other becomes defensive or stubborn or withdraws are particularly destructive. Belittling and blame are also toxic. The list of qualities that make up a bad fight could go on and on, but if you boil the essence of a bad fight down to a single ingredient and sum it all up in, in, in a word, it would have to be pride. Where there is strife, there is pride. 
And I've had many of those proud moments in the midst of a battle with my spouse over whatever it started out as. And most of those fights, do you know some of the fights are the dumbest fights? I mean, they're over the dumbest things. Like years ago, I stopped fighting about colors on the wall or how the furniture goes. I don't even care about that stuff. Give me a place to plug in the refrigerator and the TV. I'm good. Whatever you want, that's yours. Right? But some of us are a little bit different. We like to have our opinions heard on colors and things like that. But but that pride will just kind of well up and then defensiveness and stonewalling, that's not good. I felt a lot of conviction when I wrote this message. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 and verse 11. I want you to take a look at those because this is important for us to say, okay, we're in a marriage. We said for better, for worse. We're down this road a long time and we've made a lot of mistakes. This is, this is what, where many of you are. And, and so what does God say that our love is supposed to be like? What does God say about how we treat our spouse? What, uh, spouse? what does God say our response should be? Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. When you set this scripture up with the discussions we've had in the first 10 minutes here, it kind of um, helps some of those words kind of glow off the page. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now if you've been tossing elbows all morning, this is a good one to underline. And isn't it funny how we're wired? And this isn't 100% accurate for everybody, but my typical things are defensiveness. You know, I kind of don't want to start anything. And defensiveness and stonewalling, which are toxic. We already got it. I'm the worst player in this play. But, and that's typically men. And women, it's criticism. And so we have to kind of dig into why do women criticize. And it's not always just women, because men criticize too, and I get that. But, but why? Well, because they want to take something that maybe is for worse and make it for better. They see something that they're not happy with, and the way they voice it might need improvement, but it might actually be true. And so that's just a learning on the part of people who are critical to say things in a better way. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Uh, I think those first four verses there, four through seven, would be something you might want to make a copy of and put that in some places and, and begin to work on as we discuss the idea of, okay, if I'm fighting poorly, if I'm in bad fights, how do I get into a good fight? These are foundational truths of what love is actually defined as. This is what God says, uh, how we're supposed to love. We have to be committed to the idea of, okay, if I'm, I've got bad fighting style, I need to figure out a way to have a good fight. 
Still want to encourage you to watch the marriage series, but I also want you to understand that Scripture and God gives us instruction on some of this. I like what verse 11 says. That's why I picked it out of the verses because, you know, we hear these at weddings all the time. This is a, this is a power verse of weddings, but uh, sometimes we miss things. And it says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I fought like a child, pretty much, right? I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For me, reading this, it brings conviction that if I'm fighting poorly and I'm doing these things wrong with my spouse, that as a man, it is time to put childish ways behind me, man up, and make some changes for the benefit of my marriage, for better or for worse. And I want to encourage you, if you're a guy in this room, I'm, and I'm going to get to it, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm going to get to how we can improve in our conflict in our marriage. But you got to know that God doesn't want us to fight in a way that is evil, that is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that is wrong, that is hurtful, that is defensive and stonewalling and holier than thou. It says nothing about that. In fact, it says that where there is strife, there is pride, and that love is none of those things. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32, and we're just running through some scripture, and I want you to know this one goes not just for married couples, but if you're out there and you're just wondering how we treat others, and maybe this will help you in the future in your dating, this Ephesian passage is for all Christ followers, all Christians. It says in verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So it's obviously talking to Christ followers. Verse 26, In your anger do not sin. And look at this. This is where those pastors get this. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. I think those first few verses are very strong for the idea that we need to learn how to have a good fight. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is beneficial for building others up. Now, if you had that verse in the forefront of your mind when you are in a discussion with your spouse, how many conversations would that change? How ugly does it get in your house? That's a, that's a tough question. And if you're human and you haven't thought about fighting differently, it probably gets pretty rough. I know it has in mine. I've had some difficult days. That's marriage. That's having three kids at the house. That's having money struggles. That's, that's life, right? For better, for worse. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander. Okay, it hit my marriage right there with the brawling. Uh, Along with every form of malice. 
Now we think, okay, well, that's how I treat my neighbor. That's how I treat my church people. That's how I treat my life group. That's how I treat others. Um, it's how you treat your spouse. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, and every form of malice, that's contempt. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So I ask you a question based on these scripture, and yes, it's for everybody in the church to identify with, but based on these scripture, does how your spouse, how you treat your spouse and how you fight with your spouse matter to God? Yes. So you can't walk out of here and just say, well, I'm going to pray for their marriage. It matters. How we fight matters. How we fight matters. Say it with me. How we fight matters. So I want to give you an image of a good fight and a bad fight. I'm going to start with the bad fight. I flipped it. If it's up there the other way, just look down. And A bad fight. I think most of us already know what this is. Hurtful, negative, gets dirty. If you've been in a bad fight in the past year or two, would you just shyly raise your hand? Not so fast, buddy. You're going to get in trouble. (laughs) Painful attacks of criticism, starting with you. You always, you never blame defensiveness and battle lines drawn. You ever left your house mad? When we had our first child, we were having a disagreement on child rearing. We got into a doozy. That's what I call the big ones, by the way, doozies. We got into a knockdown drag out. I've never laid a hand on the woman. That's not what I'm saying. But we got into it, and I left. And I went to a Starbucks. This is when I was up in Louisville or Crestwood area. And I was gone for five, six hours, came home late. I was just so mad I didn't want to see her. I ignored her calls. Oh, it was ugly. This is before I moved here, by the way. We never fight like that anymore. Um, I was so mad. Battle lines have been drawn. Stonewalling, leaving, threats and anger. Anybody here been in a bad fight before? They're hurtful to our marriage. They're painful to go through. And so what if I could help you and encourage you to continue to study this by reading the book, the Good Fight by Less and Less Impaired, $2.99 on Kindle, free video series on Right Now Media. But a good fight is helpful, positive, and stays clean. It solves a problem, it deepens a relationship. And What I think most importantly, it follows what the Bible says about how we are to treat our spouse. So, I think I've set this up well enough that everybody's uncomfortable. What's the anatomy or makeup of a good fight? And I'm going to give you a little um, acronym of, uh, or acrostic, which one is it? And it doesn't matter. Core. Core. 
and fighting. Now, this is not like strengthen your core to take the hits. That's not what I'm talking about. Core. Uh, the first thing, the anatomy of a good fight is cooperation. And this is something I've actually done over the past couple years. Uh, I saw the good fight uh, a few years ago or a couple, several, about a year, year and a half ago, it seems like. And I started putting this into practice. Cooperation is when you stop for a moment before the claws come out and you begin to engage in the idea of, hey, we're married and we're in this together. And we need to communicate in a way where we both know we want the best outcome for this marriage. And so I have literally, in the midst of getting ready to go into a battle or fight, said, hey, I love you. I don't want to get into this where it gets ugly. How can we talk about this and work it out? Cooperation. And guys... If you can hold off on the defensiveness and stonewalling of criticism long enough to say, hey, I love you and we're on the same team for better, for worse. We're married. We're on the same team. If, they, if you can build that cooperation, it, just, it was so amazing how much better that is than what has happened in the past in my relationships. Ownership. Let's say... That you're at fault. Anybody ever done something dumb with money? Right? Anybody ever done something harsh or cruel with their words and criticism? Ownership. I shouldn't have done that. I should have known that was going to happen. I think that we both need to work on this when it comes to our children. On and on it goes. Ownership is you taking your part in whatever the disagreement is about. And we all have a part in it. But cooperation, ownership, you should be writing these down. Respect. What typically happens in a relationship is when a husband receives criticism, which is a larger percentage of the time, a husband will interpret that as disrespect and become defensive and stonewall. Does that sound true? Respect. And so we need to figure out the best way to communicate when we want something to change that we don't like is happening. It's not that we're supposed to stop saying anything. We're actually supposed to engage in a way that will help. Hey, can we talk about the TV that you bought? Can we just have a discussion about that? Can we, hey, can we have a conversation about the shopping spree that you had at the mall? Can we talk about our budget? Respect. Empathy. Understanding where that person is coming from. Now, if you want to have a good fight, head it off with cooperation. Hey, I love you. We're in this together. Let's talk about this in a way where we're not attacking each other. And I'm sorry, I love you. This relationship is more important than winning the fight. Let pride go out the window and have cooperation. And I promise you, you will have a good fight. It's fantastic. 
It's worth everything for you and I to learn to show cooperation, own our mess, respect the other person, and have a desire to, to, to understand what they're feeling with empathy, right? This will help you guard against the four horsemen. It's your partner. It's the love of your life. It's the one that you wooed for weeks and months to get to date you and to stay with you and to marry you. It's the one you might have got down on one knee for. It's the one that is reared and has your children. It's the love of your life. It's the most important relationship that we have in the church is when marriages if either fail or succeed, it has an impact on our church body and our families. Guard against the four horsemen. Now, it's important that you know as you have discussions on the way home about this that you don't use the you statement. Well, you always do that. That's not what we want to do. That's not how we engage in this. Can I encourage you once again, right now, media, it's paid for, it's free. Hey, it's snowy and cold outside. Snuggle up. Guys, you will not be disappointed in watching this. And one of the things that they talk about is sharing withholds. And we had this on marriage night here back in September, the positive, the negative, and a positive. And I'm not going to tell you any more about it than that because I have to wrap things up. But sharing withholds is one of the key ways that you can actually improve your marriage and get into good conversations uh, and get into good fights for better or for worse. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. Um, for love. I thank you for marriage. I thank you for the memories of first dates and honeymoons and anniversaries. Thank you for the good and the bad that we have to walk through sometimes, the better and the worse, the, the difficult times and the joyful times, God. It's a part of this life. And I thank you for my wife. What a blessing to have such a godly woman beside me. So I pray for every marriage in this room. I pray for those that are not married. I pray for those that are struggling with this marriage series because of whatever their circumstances. May we know that, God, you love us and you call us to be loving to the world around us and to encourage people and to pray for marriages. And God, just lead us in all of this. We love you, and we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for this life we have in you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. This morning, if you uh, want to make a decision for Christ, maybe you've been sitting there for a long time, putting it off, holding back, resisting, but you know that part of the problem for you is this relationship with Christ. I want to invite you to come forward. He offers to you and I freely this gift of grace, mercy, forgiveness. And we can receive that. And you can receive that. And you don't have to have all the answers to that. You just need to know that God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And so I invite you to come forward as we sing this song and worship him. uh, That if you have that decision to make, come on down. I'll be right up at front. So will Dave.
you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it Once again, we thank you guys for being here. Let me give you four real quick points of contact, things to do right now as you get ready to uh, make your way out of here. This is your first time here, your first time guest. Please go out in the lobby and stop at the I'm New Wall. Um, Brett and his team have a gift for you out there. Uh, we'd really like to connect you. I want to remind you, secondly, that tomorrow and actually tomorrow and Tuesday are our days of unceasing prayer. We're trying to build up. Uh, we've got about half of Tuesday filled. If you are already in that uh, Days of Unceasing Prayer uh, program that we do, you should have gotten an email yesterday. If you weren't on your email, go home and check it. It's got a bunch of prompts on it. If you didn't get that, or if you want to join, over here underneath the cross on the table is a, <clears throat> excuse me, a list where you can sign up for a blank spot. You can pick up a packet of things to pray about uh, and take that home, and uh, we'll get you plugged in. Uh, third thing, uh, this week is our pathways for this month. If you've been thinking about uh, accepting Christ as Savior and got some questions, uh, joining the church, getting in a life group, getting involved in ministry, Pathways is the on-ramp for that. And there, you can either sign up online or there are sign-up forms uh, backed by the photo wall. And then finally, ladies, we're two weeks away uh, from our Fresh Grounded Faith event. Uh, we have the discounted tickets. In fact, we have all the tickets, all right? So if you want to sign up, you can do that online. Uh, but you can go back to the wall back here underneath the sign-up wall. And I'll tell you this. If you want to get a ticket, go back there and hang on just for a couple minutes. Uh, Kim is on the way with the stuff, but there was a wreck in town, and so she had to turn around and detour. So she's going to be a couple minutes late getting there. Uh, but don't leave here today without getting your tickets, ladies, because we want to make sure uh, we get as many as we can. 
again here. It's also going to be offered virtually. So if you're uncomfortable with the idea of maybe all the people that might be here for that event, uh, nowhere near as many as we had two years ago. But anyway, uh, you can get a ticket and get access to it online. That's their online feed, not ours. That's why there's a charge to it, okay? Uh, but you still need a ticket either way. So ladies, it's going to be an awesome event. Uh, we got an awesome worship leader, uh, one of the ones that was going to be here, couldn't be here. Uh, and so we've got an awesome worship leader, ladies. You're going to love the event. You're going to love Jennifer Rothschild and Lisa Welch. Guys, I hope you just took something away. I, I don't know. Should we say go home and fight? No, that's not it. But go home and fight well. Go home and get along. Let's work on our marriage. Let's go change the world. See you guys next Sunday.